TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Good morning! Diarrhea! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. We got a lot to talk about. We got a Warriors game from last night, from yesterday afternoon, whatever you want to call it, as they fell to the Hawks. We have the Giants losing 2 of 3 to the Mariners while the A's are off to what is normally a prototypical slow start. I wouldn't be too worried, A's fans. This happens, uh, it feels like, every season. They'll... I have all the faith in the world uh, that they'll get it going eventually. Uh, but did want to start out with a couple of other things that happened over the weekend. First off, on Friday, we had that unbelievably exciting ending with Stanford women's basketball when they beat South Carolina, and it came down to the final seconds when South Carolina tried uh, getting a putback layup in to win the game. But uh, instead missed it, and Stanford moved on to the national championship to go on to face Arizona. And we had that on Friday. But then on Saturday, with the men's Final Four, we had Baylor and Houston, and you know, Baylor just absolutely torched them. Torched them. Had no shot. Wasn't, a very, wasn't an exciting game. And really, on that Saturday, <laughs> with, with Final Four Saturday, I'm thinking... All right, well, if this early game's a stinker, if this one, you know, if this one was a blowout, I mean, this was the only hope we had to maybe a close game. I thought Gonzaga was going to absolutely dominate uh, UCLA, but this is what it took in order for Gonzaga to move on to the national championship as we have Gonzaga versus Baylor coming up tonight. To the right side of the floor, defended by Kispert now, drives, leans in, the runner comes up short, choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90, three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way, pull up, three for the win! Yes! 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 of the championship game! He from 40 at the buzzer! Yes! This is one of the most memorable plays that I think goes down in, in sports history. You know, I always go back to Villanova at North Carolina, and I'm not exactly the biggest college basketball fan around. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't sit here watching every single game and know everything about every single team, but when March Madness comes around I go into it not really knowing anything about the teams unless I've really read about them or unless you've heard of them like you have with uh, Gonzaga. But when plays like that, plays like what happened with Villanova back in 2018 versus North Carolina and hitting the game-winning shot, Chris Jenkins, I believe, was his name, and he just hits it from the wing, it goes down. You had Villanova's head coach, whose name's escaping me right now, who was as casual as you could ever be. And then you had a moment like there was on Saturday, one that you just, you'll remember where you were at uh, when you were watching it. And for me, I was in downtown San Jose, 
watching watching Gonzaga just hit that game winner and Jalen Zuggs hit it on the other side. UCLA makes the layup, uh, gets up by one, then Gonzaga. It was just the thing about these types of calls too is the videos that come out afterward. <laughs> the videos of the people who might have had some money on UCLA. And they were they were just going if I recommend you check it out. If you go on Instagram, Twitter on any of these betting pages, you'll find somebody who had some money on UCLA. And at first, you're thinking, <laughs> and at first, they were they were so stoked because UCLA looks like they're going to be winning the game. And then Gonzaga just comes back, uh, right back with about three seconds left. Suggs runs up court and just hits that half-court shot, banks it in, and then goes up on the podium kind of like he's Kind of like he's Dwayne Wade after Dwayne Wade hit that game winner a couple of years ago against the Warriors uh, when he was with the Heat. It was kind of like that. And Jalen Suggs going to the crowd. It's just something that makes sports uh, really cool. But not only did we have that on Saturday, yesterday, Stanford women's basketball with yet another thrilling ending. Now, I mentioned on Friday they had the game against South Carolina, which came down to the wire, and South Carolina couldn't make the putback layup in order to get the win. And then with Stanford, Arizona had the ball inbounding, inbounding it with about uh, with less than ten seconds left. And here is the final call as Stanford women's basketball are national champions. Looking for McDonald, lobs it into McDonald. Five seconds left. McDonald, two seconds. McDonald traps. Heaves. Can't hit. That is it. Stanford survives again. National champions in 2021. It's so rare when you get something in both sides of the sport where it's just that exciting and that competitive uh, coming down to the wire. And thank you from the 415. Jay Wright is the head coach of Villanova, the dude that kind of looks like uh, he he looked like he could be like in the Rat Pack with Frank Sinatra and and Dean Martin, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of guy that he looks like. Thank you for reminding me. Jay Wright uh, is his name, and from the four hundred eight, Jalen Suggs, future dub, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to get to what happened in this game. Look, Friday night, I want to forget about it. I want to forget about that game against the Raptors. It's hard though because the Raptors dominated. Gary Trent Jr., even if even though he was traded over from the Blazers to the Raptors, it always feels like Jer- Gary Trent Jr. Uh, plays pretty well against the Warriors, and he did so even with the Raptors. I'm not trying to talk about the 50-point loss, but I do think last night uh, spoke even higher volumes because, as we know by now, right, when you're without Steph and Dre, you don't have much of a shot. You don't have much of a shot at winning at any of these games, especially with a team like the Raptors. Now, the Raptors were a cold team, and it seems like uh, it, it seems like they are just kind of imploding, <laughs> and, and you know, with everything that's happening with Pascal Siakam uh, keeping Kyle Lowry, but Kyle Lowry is going to be an unrestricted free agent coming up, so I don't know if they're going to be signing him. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on with the Raptors, but they were still able to get that win on Friday simply because the Warriors were without Seth and Dre. Now, they for sure needed to have a little more energy, and I think we wanted to see more from uh, from guys who are supposed to be contributors to this team besides Steph and Dre, but we did not see that on Friday. But yesterday, this game against the Hawks... Losing one seventeen to one eleven, uh, there are a lot of things wrong, and 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 really, a, a big reason for the loss. When you look at just the big picture of it, and and you were just watching the game. It, to put it simply, it was the missed threes and the fouls. You know, they had a lot of open looks. There are a couple of, that Kent Bazemore had from the corner, wide open. Normally, he knocks those down. He missed those. Steph Curry was trying to create a three off the dribble. They didn't necessarily go in uh, until the end of the second quarter. Draymond had a couple, but he actually made one in the second half, which proved to be big. Um, but, you know, there are just a lot of missed threes to go around. And, um, you know, you can't necessarily just blame it on that because the Hawks were just as cold. 
But when you start off a game in the first half going three for 16 from three, uh, while the Hawks are going six for 16 from three, uh, it was not too pretty. And then you can also look at the fouls. The fouls were a huge issue. The Warriors had 21 free throws compared to the Hawks, who had 45. 45 free throws. That is something we talked about when the second half of the season started, right? Came out with four stats, two of which you want to see the Warriors stay consistent with and two of them that you two of which you want to see improve. One of them is the one of them that I wanted to see improve was the defense on the three-point shooting. Because even though they had a top 5 defensive rating, they were still ranked within the bottom as far as three-pointers made. And They've done pretty well with that. However, one other thing that we needed to improve on was stopping the lazy fouls, not letting these teams get to the line. Because even though it may not seem like it has that big of an impact on the game, when you're giving the teams a chance to maybe have five, ten extra free throws in a game, you're just giving them that much more power toward the end to actually getting the win and being closer to uh, and then having the score actually be at a wider margin than it could have been without all of those free throws. But last night, I mean, putting Gallinari to the line 15 times total while you had Trey Young going to the line eight times, Clint Capella going six times, Onyeko Kongwu, the rookie, going seven times. I mean, it, it just was not a pretty sight. And then you compare that to the Warriors' 21 I mean, when you give the other team a chance to get 24 more extra points uh, than you, you're not going to win any games, especially when you're shooting the threes in that fashion. Uh, But here is where the game was lost to me. It was 100 to 98. We're already wondering where Steph Curry is because... They had Gallinari put to the line before, and Steve Kerr had his chances uh, to bring Steph Curry into the game. And if Steph were inserted into the game, it could have looked completely different. But instead of bringing Steph into the game, this is the sequence that happens uh, to me that signaled the end, and this is the one that ended up leading to a timeout to bring Steph in in the first place. Now, left side pool drives around Capella, got to the rim, and he missed the layup. Rebound Gallinari. Got to Lou did, Williams. Did he think about ducking and then change his mind? I don't know. Looked like it. Looked like he, something was going on there. Bogdanovich with a jab step. Pump fake. Left hand dribble off the screen. Foul line. Fades left side. Nobody guarded him. Goes to the corner there. Snell. He's 56% from there. Nails it. And a timeout for Steve Kerr. So you had Jordan Poole miss the layout, possibly giving you a chance to tie the game at 100 apiece, but instead Snell goes on the other end of the floor, hits a corner three, and if you were watching the TV broadcast last night, you were hearing how much Fitz and Coletta were going off about Tony Snell's 57% uh, three-point percentage this year compared to his 40% that he's averaged. But that, was, to me, was the end of the game because it felt like, at that point, five points was... Just way too much to overcome, and you brought Steph in way too late. And this has been an issue going forward. And when Steve Kerr mentioned at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of the season, when we were talking about Steph's minutes, it was the early part of February, and it was when they were playing the Spurs, and Draymond heaved it up, came down to the last second, and they lost the game. But one of the aspects of that game that we had questions about was Steph's minutes. Why didn't you bring Steph in earlier? He could have made a difference uh, earlier in the game. And after that game, Steve Kerr mentioned that we're not going to try chasing wins. But he, he said we're playing this for the long game. But now, this is a time when you should be chasing wins. Because if you're playing for the long game, this is where the play in game becomes all that more important. Getting these young guys experience getting Wiseman and 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 Poole and hell even Andrew Wiggins who's been in the league for what feels like forever even though he's super young but he hasn't had a chance to try and contend for the playoffs yet 
Like, the long game matters here when you're picking up wins, and to not bring Steph in um, toward the end, I, I just think at least it's to bring Steph earlier than you brought him in for, I just think that at that point, it, it just feels like a simple decision, especially with the way that the guards were playing. You know, with the way that Jordan Poole was fouling, and he's been really, uh, he's been on a cold streak for the past few games scoring the basketball. Damian Lee just didn't look good yesterday. You know, all, all of these guys that they're putting in instead of Steph, it just doesn't make any sense. And then at the same time, you play Wiseman for the first and the third quarter, but you don't bother to bring him in in the fourth quarter. Isn't the best way to develop a player like that is to have him play in high-intensity situations, in important situations, in 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 times in games when you can't make many mistakes, you got to be disciplined. Isn't that the best way to try and teach the young kid? I I just didn't really understand the rotations yesterday and making the making the adjustments because Steve Kerr just seems to continue to go uh, with the rotations that he's gone with, and he mentioned that it was because of matchups. But I mean. Who cares about matchups at that point? You just want to get James Wiseman in because he proved that he could play against these guys in the first quarter. He had a good first quarter. He started off four for five shooting. There was just a lot to unpack. Um, but on Twitter, and we'll get to this next, but Nick Friedel of ESPN, you know him, you love him. Cousin Nick, one of the greats. He said on his Twitter, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that he has never seen Steph at the podium be like that in that Steph didn't have any answers to these questions. And if you haven't heard it, I want to play some of this for you on the other side, the way that Steph was reacting uh, to this loss. So triple eight, nine, five, seven, nine, five, seven, zero. That's the text line in the phone number. Uh, if you want to weigh in, let's hear from Steph Curry coming up next as he just sounds uh, dejected here. So we'll get to that on the other side. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. To the right side of the floor, defended by Kispert now. Drives, leans in, the runner comes up short, choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90. Three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way. Pull up three for the win. Yes! Yes! Sanders of the championship game! He knocked from 40 at the buzzer! Yes! Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. That was, of course, Jalen Suggs hitting the game winner on Saturday as Gonzaga moved on from UCLA to the national championship to go on to face uh, Baylor. You can credit Gonzaga IGM Radio for that call with Tom Hudson and Adam Morrison on the call. And maybe he will be a future warrior. You know, this top three protected pick with the Timberwolves I've been talking about it a lot and, you know, just trying to keep you updated on the fact that if the Timberwolves are either the have either the worst record in sport in basketball or the fourth worst record, then that's where the Warriors are going to be getting uh, the best chance to have that top three pick not be protected anymore. And it's there's a chance that they could pick outside of that. But. Seems right now that the Warriors, with the way that they are going after these last couple of losses and, and really just a, a, a dejecting post-All-Star break stretch, I mean, they've had a couple of good moments, but for the most part, it just feels like these losses are starting to stack up because they've had quite a few uh, tough stretches of games. You know, they started out... Um, I mean, they had, I mean, hell, they had the Suns on the Thursday before the All-Star break. Then they went on to face the Clippers, the Jazz, the Lakers, and it just, it just never stopped. And, you know, it, it, now, now going up against the Raptors and then the Hawks and you go on to face the Milwaukee Bucks, it doesn't get much easier, uh, from here. And look, I don't know if from the four one five did Suggs play himself into a top three pick. I don't know. You never know what can happen with the draft, but 
I do think with this plethora of talent that is in the draft in the first round, I think the Warriors, even if they don't get that Minnesota top three pick, uh, that they could be getting something good just because of the way that they are closing out this season. Now, it does get a little easier down the stretch. You know, you're going on to face the Cavs. You got uh, the Pelicans a few more times. It's not like you're facing these teams that are within the top five. Uh, but it does not get um, much easier as you go on to face the Milwaukee Bucks. But here's what I wanted to play for you, and this is what I teased uh, in the last segment, as Nick Friedel had a tweet that I need to pull up that I had written down, but for some reason can't find it, so give me a second as I just uh, give me a Jeopardy del- uh, ding as I try and go and find this tweet in five, four, three. Two, one, please pull up. Thank you. All right. This was Nick Friedel on Twitter. First time in a long time I've listened to Steph speak after a game, and he just has no answers about how his team can fix the issues that can continue to pop up. Same mistakes over and over. That's as frustrated as he sounded in a while. Well, here is Steph Curry and... We mentioned in the first segment that a big problem was not only just the missed threes. Like some, when you got a team like the Warriors and when you're just in today's NBA, you're going to have those games where you just, the threes aren't being made. You know, you're not knocking them down. That's just going to happen. Um, but the Warriors can't, if, if you're not knocking down the threes, the Warriors can't be undisciplined. They can't foul as much as they did. And when Steph was asked, how to fix the fouling issue. Here's what Steph had to say after the game. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like the 20th time we get asked that question and we haven't figured it out yet. So it's, it's on all of us to hold each other accountable to the details of being in the right position. You know, even if a guy gets a bucket, at least you can kind of come, come back and the game has a better flow to it and you're not giving up free throws. Or putting yourself in the penalty where it changes your aggressiveness. You know, if you get four fouls in the first three minutes, you're playing nine minutes where you, you, you have that in the back of your mind and that takes away any type of, you know, aggressiveness on that end of the floor. So it's kind of a double whammy. You give up free throws, but you also change your, the strategy of your, of your defensive presence. And that's tough. Like, listen to the beginning of that. I've never heard Steph sound like this at the beginning of an answer. Listen to the beginning when he was asked how to fix the fouling issue. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like the 20th time we get asked that question. We... I mean, that's just, it's crazy to me. And that just shows how bad it was because the Warriors last night had 26 fouls. And you compare that to the Hawks, 19. But they let the Hawks get to the line 45 times while the Warriors only got to the line 21 times. They gave them an extra 24 shots. And the thing with the fouls from last night was a lot of them just felt unnecessary. You know, whether it's Oubre, who was, uh, you know, fouling young out on the three-point line, who was trying to who was trying to clearly draw one, he's got to be a little more disciplined than that. Uh, whether it's Damian Lee or Kent Bazemore, who had four of their own, Jordan Poole, a lot of these were off-ball fouls. You know, and, and this has just been a constant issue. You know, and, and I think that this team moving forward, it's it's not even just the rotations, it, but when you're looking at Curry and you hear that, and the leader of the team is saying, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know at this point, like what else is this team going to do? I mean, I could, I'd love to come on here and just say, yeah, they'll fix it. You know, it's it's they still got a long season to go. It's not that it's not the case anymore. That's not the case. You're coming to the point where you need to stack up some wins so that you can even sniff a seventh through tenth seed as the Western Conference teams that are in the top five continue to blow by you. And I mean, hell, even in the top six. I just think the fouling is really discouraging, especially when you're not knocking down your threes. And the Hawks, by the way, are just such a they're they're a deep team. And I think that when you play teams like this, teams that have built their roster to where 
you're not going to be too confused with the rotations where every player knows his role when you got Tony Snell and Danilo Gallinari and Lou Williams and Onyeko Okongwu uh, coming off the bench. It just feels like whenever they're playing these teams, it's completely different. I mean, I always go back to that first game against the Jazz when I'm sitting there going, I mean, the Jazz are putting up putting out Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovic, and... Hell, even Rudy Gobert at one point going up against this second unit. That's three of their five starters. And also, Joe Ingles is coming off the bench. A guy who was a starter previously for the Jazz. And I'm thinking, how does this Warriors second unit, how will they, how will they even stack up against any of these teams within the top of the Western Conference? And not only just for this year, but for next year too. And I think last night really spoke to it. And Steph Curry continued and... He just talked about how his younger teammates uh, can respond to this adversity, to the guys like uh, Jordan Poole, who has been more inconsistent as of late, to Andrew Wiggins, who, even though he's a veteran, he's still a younger player. He, here's Steph Curry uh, talking about how he can uh, get his younger teammates to respond. It's tough. I mean, keep, keep it real. Like We all had higher expectations for where we are supposed to be this season. Um, and guys want to, you know, outperform, you know, when they go out there, they want to overexceed, you know, expectations for themselves, for, you know, coaching staff, whatever it is. And when it doesn't happen, it's frustrating. So uh, I hope it's things. I hope it isn't, you know, I hope it's uncomfortable. I hope that it motivates you to, to keep grinding, um, challenging yourself to to get better i hope nobody's content just being in this middle of the road situation so um we're gonna find out you know how we how we respond down the stretch of the season um see what we're made of but you also got to play those players (laughs) and and steve kerr toward the end of the game when you put out the starting five on the court and you go don't go out there with james wiseman and you're explanation for it is matchups well we felt like we had a better matchup without Wiseman on the floor well at that point screw (laughs) matchups you know even if you're not you're not chasing wins if you're not putting Steph in at the appropriate time again I'll play this one more time here's the sequence to me which signaled the end of the game this was when the Hawks went up 103 to 98 after a Jordan Poole missed layup. Now, left side Poole drives around Capella, got to the rim, and he missed the layup. Rebound Gallinari. Got to Lou did, Williams. Did he think about ducking and then change his mind? I don't know. Looked like it. Looked like he, something was going on there. Bogdanovich with a jab step, pump fake, left hand dribble, off the screen, foul line, fades left side. Nobody guarded him. Goes to the corner there. Snell, he's 56% from there, nails it, and a timeout for Steve Kerr. And at that point, Steph Curry came in after that timeout, but that Jordan Poole missed layup. At that point, it felt like it was too late to bring Steph in. Even if you put him in just one possession before, it possibly could have changed the outcome of the game. And being up by five, as opposed to being tied at 100, is a hell of a big difference. So I I just think last night... It was almost as dejecting as that night on Friday because at least they didn't have Steph or Dre in. I mean, you you know, you can only expect so much. You don't expect them to lose the way they did because they just didn't have any energy and didn't look confident at all on the floor. But when you have Steph and Dre both playing in the game and you bring Steph in a little late and also you don't bring in the young rookie, the 20-year-old, now 20-year-old James Wiseman to close out a game... When you need him to learn in crunch time how it's done, and the best way for him to do it is by getting experience, last night was just really frustrating, and it didn't really make uh, a ton of sense to me with the way that Steve Kerr was handling uh, the rotations. And I'm no one to I'm no one to be like, yeah, I could do a better job if I was head coach. You give me the clipboard, and I'll go to the sideline, and I'll make the call. I'm not saying anything like that. But just after watching this team game after game, it seems like we run into the same consistent issue, which is they foul too much, they get the other team to the line too much, and you're bringing in Steph a little later than you should possibly be bringing him in. 
So it's just it's it's been consistent this year, and you could tell after however many games it's been. I mean, what is it, twenty three and twenty nine? It's been fifty games. After fifty games of watching it, you kind of get used to it, and at that point, it just last night was it was dis, it was very disappointing. Very disappointing. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. And I want to know from you. Do you feel like the Warriors are even a play-in team right now? Do you feel like that they can make the 7th through 10th seed to get to that play-in tournament? 888-957-9570 is the text line in the phone number. I want to hear from you. But there was also one more thing that Steph Curry said in his presser that I wholeheartedly disagree with. You'll hear what that is next. 888-957-9570. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. So we played a couple of those sound clips in the last segment of Steph just sounding dejected as he put up 37 in the Warriors' 117-111 loss to uh, the Atlanta Hawks, putting them at 23-27 and on the year. They're 3-7 and in their last 10. They've lost three straight. They're currently a half game up on the Pelicans. And two and a half games back of the San Antonio Spurs. So they're right there in that 10th seed. And the Pelicans are threatening to take them over. So they could be the 11th seed when they go on to face the Bucks. And there's nothing that they've shown in the past few games that would make you think that they can beat a team like the Bucks. But let's get to Duriel and San Jose real quick because there was something else that something else that Steph Curry said that I wholeheartedly disagree with. But let's go to Duriel and San Jose uh, real quick to get his take on the Warriors. What's going on, Duriel? Yeah, you know uh, Steph Curry. You know I don't know if we're gonna be all right. I don't know if we're gonna get it together. You know what? The Warriors are soft and everything. Nobody's scared of them. They're a soft jump shooting team. They live by the three and they die by the three. Everybody knows that. Everybody's playing them like it's the championship game seven when they play the Warriors and everything. You know what? We don't have a true point guard on our team like a, like the Phoenix Suns do and everything. You see what Chris Paul is doing with those, those no-name guys over there and everything and how he's got them clicking on all cylinders. Steph can't do that. When is Steph going to have a game where he gets 10 assists a game? You can score your 32, but get 10 assists, get Wiseman involved, force him to score points and, and be in spots where it's good for him and everything, get him the ball. We don't got no mid-range guys that'll go in there and get you the tough two-point shot. You know, guys, if you know, they shoot, every shot they take is a three. So if they miss every single shot, they go 0 for 6 for 3 or whatever. They just missed every shot they took and everything. You know what? Steve Kerr still knows what he's doing. You know, if, they, if, if uh, Draymond and Steph play the rest of the season, yeah, we'll make the playoffs and everything if they play the rest of the season. But, you know, that's doubtful. Because those two guys, you know, they're kind of fragile and everything. You know, that's good. They wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if they would have been able to make it back in the 90s and everything like that. Steph might have been a specialty guy, like his dad and everything. You know what I'm saying? So I like to see the the leaders of our team step up and be leaders. Draymond, keep on putting up those numbers how you did this weekend, because you're going to have to do that the whole rest of the season, because our bench sucks. They only give us 20 points a game. And that's not enough. And we only score around 110, 115. You got to score 130 to beat the Brooklyn Nets. So just understand that. And no, Vegas wasn't showing us no love last week from the Bay Area. They were taking all our money last week, you know, playing with our, on our emotions. It's tough. That's what <laughs> happened, man. So yeah, uh, you know, go Warriors. Get it together, guys. Appreciate you, Terry. <laughs> Oh, man, for the 5-5-9, Steve Kerr is doing it on purpose to get a higher draft pick. He knows they don't have a shot this year. Look, man, I I don't believe that. I I don't believe um, that. I I just don't believe in tanking. I really don't. You can set your team up to – you can set your team up in order to do that and and just rebuild everything, tear everything down so that you can get a higher draft pick. You can do that. I believe there's – uh, that sentiment because we've seen it, you know, and it's it's been spoken to, it's been written about, it's been talked about, everything. 
But I think that with, um, but I personally think that with Steve Kerr and this Warrior team, like I just don't think that tanking is part of their DNA. I genuinely think Steve Kerr uh, wants to try and put them in the best positions to win. And that's why I'm being confused. That's why I've been confused by his decisions as of late, especially in this last game. When you're playing your 50th game, you're right on the fringe of getting into that play-in tournament. And again, 888-957-9570, that's the text line in the phone number. Very simple question. Are the Warriors a play-in team? That's all I want to know from you. I want to get a gauge on that because I do believe that Steve Kerr wants to win these games. And he mentioned at the beginning of February, he's not out there chasing wins. But I still think he at least wants to get his team to a victory. And when you're still not putting in Steph at the necessary time, when you're still not figuring out what to do with Wiseman and it feels like that's it's all jumbled and confused, when your team is undisciplined, anytime we look at football, right, and we look at those top teams in penalties, one thing we can blame is not only the players and just the fact that they're committing these penalties, but it's also the coaching. And same goes for the Warriors right now. When you got Steph Curry, who says this at the beginning of the question when he asked when he was asked about uh, how to fix fouling. Oh no, man! <laughs> it's like the twentieth time we get asked that question. Well, the reason that they've been asked that question twenty times is because there have been twenty different games, at least, where fouling has been an issue. So I do think that. Um, Steve Kerr's Dario mentioned that Steve Kerr is great, and look, I agree. Of course, he got the he's got these teams the championships. He knows what he's doing. He's not an idiot. I mean, it's, it's Steve Kerr, right? He's a champion. He knows how to win. But in these situations, I do think we can look at it and and just question it uh, a little bit. I want to spend a couple of minutes on this, and we'll get back to talking Warriors. And I want to continue to take your calls, and from the four one five. Somewhat hating on my guy, Duriel in San Jose. Well, if you're going to be hating on the text line, why don't you call in? You know, share your thoughts. 888-957-9570. But Steph Curry mentioned this when he was asked at the press conference whether he's excited for Space Jam 2. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a great, it's a legendary concept, obviously, Space Jam 1 and LeBron bringing it back, so that's going to be dope. Um. I am going to watch it. I'm excited to see it. That's where I disagree. Not excited. I'm not. Space Jam, one of my favorite movies. Okay? And if you've heard me on this show before, and you are a longtime listener, the several of you, <laughs> like you've heard me go off on Space Jam. Right? You have heard how much I love that movie. And when I saw the trailer over the weekend, like, what the hell is this? Sure, this looks cool, and there's a lot of effects, and it looks like it's a pretty well-put-together movie, and LeBron is actually a much better actor than I think people realize. He was, he was really good in that one, in that one, uh, we, we were, what is that movie called? Shipwrecked or something? Whatever it's called. Um, with Bill Hader, and I think Amy Schumer was in it too, whatever. But LeBron was in it. He was really good. And sure, it looks great. Sure, all the, theatrics and you know you got clay we love clay thompson he's in a movie awesome then we got anthony davis and diana taurasi and and damian lillard damian lillard Lillard looks like a robot and he's wearing a clock so you know it's dame time cool it's way too over the top for me man (laughs) sounded like gruden there way too over the top for me man it's way too over the top i'm not excited about it How are you going to recreate the magic that was Space Jam 1? Where, thank you, Trainwreck. Uh, From the 6760, Trainwreck was the movie that LeBron was in. How are you going to recreate the magic that was Muggsy Bogues, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, Larry Johnson, Charles Barkley, all going to therapy because they can't figure out why they suck at basketball. They can't tell that the Monstars stole their talent. You're not going to have that magic. You're not going to have the magic 
of Wayne Knight fixing a divot. You're not going to have the magic of Bill Murray and Larry Bird being one of the greatest comedic duos of all time. Of all time. Nope. I'm just, I'm out. I'm out on it. I'm out on Space Jam 2. That's just me. Shout out to Ryan Coogler, Oakland's own, producing the movie. And it's going to make a lot of money, and I'm sure it'll be very popular. But me, Space Jam 1 fan, I'm out. I'm out on it. (laughs) I'm sure you did it too, and at 5.45 in the morning, and you're just getting into your car, and you're hearing about a millennial yelling about Space Jam. I don't think you expected that. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, 888-957-9570. (laughs) <laughs> from the 415 exactly you are charles barkley you're just this nobody that looks like him remember that when he got dominated <laughs> on the court he's like hey can i play <laughs> he gets absolutely he just he didn't know what to do he didn't know what to do patrick ewing taking the taking the basketball to the face when they're passing it to him for a free throw i'm just saying you're not going to recreate that magic it's going to be tough to recreate and if you know me, you know I'm out on any of these re- reunion movies, remake movies, whatever it is. From the 510, Clay Thompson is one of the bad guys in Space Jam 2. He's the fire guy. And it makes sense. The human torch kind of guy, right? Gets hot at the right time. Doesn't even need to dribble. And I'm excited for Clay Thompson to be in it. But again, I'm just out. I'm just out. That's all me. Um, we're also, I mean, we're now we're getting more text here. I asked you, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I asked the listener, hey, a serious sports question. Are the Warriors a playing team? Can they make the 7th through 10th seed after what you've seen as of late, especially after last night's loss? And then when you talk Space Jam 2, all of a sudden a bevy of texts start coming in. Um, but Steph Curry, after the game, I wanted to continue to talk about this. He talked about whether it is hard to be the optimist that he's always that he always is when this team is now 23 and 27 and are just leaking oil here possibly out of the play in tournament here's Steph Curry after the game that's not hard because every time you step foot on the floor you, you're expecting to win uh, but it does the hard part is trying to answer some of the questions around how we get better and how we win games and you know, the situation is what it is. We have a lot to improve on. Um, and there's a challenge there that we all need to take, uh, you know, head on. It's uncomfortable right now. It's frustrating for everybody. Um, but it'll test us to, to find a way to make these last, you know, whatever 20 games um, matter and give us something to show for it towards the end of the season. Right now, it's it is it's frustrating for sure. You can't. I hope everybody in the locker room hates you know losing as um as as a motivation to 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 stick with it, to stay connected, and to figure it out. And you just can't help but wonder about the future here. Now, Steph put up thirty seven points, and it might have been the quietest thirty seven point game of his career when he's putting up numbers in the mid 30s when not only is he doing it from three because he was kind of cold in the first half but in the second half in that third quarter he decided just to take over you know the way that he was getting to the hoop he was so crafty last night getting around the double teams when Herter and Clint Capella would would try and double him up and you know they weren't going to put Trey Young on him and speaking of which I mean this is going to be this is going to be ruthless but I mean, Trey Young's hair, what's up with it? I don't get it. I don't get the hair, man. <laughs> like, like, do something with it. You know? His hair. I just don't understand the hair. But anyway, anyway, that's beside the point. I wrote that down, actually. But when Steph has a game like he had last night, and, you know, he's not hot from three. He's three of 12, but he gets to the line 12 times. That's when Steph is trying to put the team on his back. And it's one where he was being physical, being aggressive, trying to spark something in these other guys in order to get the win. But the depth on this team has been a constant issue throughout. And when you have Damian Lee and Jordan Poole and Kent Bazemore and Kevon Looney coming off the bench, and you compare that with Tony Snell, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams, and Onyeka Okongwu... I mean, you're taking that Hawks bench 
10 times out of 10 if you were to pick a team of uh, if you were to pick a team of four there toward the end. I mean it's just it was not a pretty game last night but when Steph is scoring 37 points and and here's my uh, larger issue when he's scoring 37 and he's putting up numbers the way he is just keep him in the game. Keep him in the game for as long as possible. Need to stray away from the norm, which they've been going with for 50 games, which is, you know, bring Steph in around the six-minute mark, which was just around the time that they brought him in, and it proved to yet again be one or two possessions a little too late. Um, I wanted to play this sound for you from Tony Allen. Tony Allen, you know, great defensive player, great guard. He was on the morning roast a while back, back when Draymond made his comments that he was the greatest defensive player of all time. So we had Tony Allen on uh, to speak to that. And of course, he flushed it all down the toilet and said the Internet made way too much of me and Draymond's little Twitter beef after I called him out for saying he's the greatest defensive player of all time. But Tony Allen did say something interesting toward the end of the interview when he was simply asked whether the Warriors can win another championship in the next few years. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Like, this, I don't know. Why wouldn't, they, why wouldn't they win another championship? Like, those guys got the recipe. They got the coach. They got the organization. They do everything A1. You could tell how they go about their business. You could be lucky and unlucky. That's what they always say. Lucky and unlucky around the time where you need to be healthy. So it just all depends on when they can get healthy enough and, you know, at the right time and – I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. That's what you never do. You never test the heart of a champion. So when Tony Allen was talking throughout that interview, you could tell that he believes that, right? And sure, he may not be looking at the depth and may not be thinking about that, but when he is talking about the way that he played defense, the way that he prepared, you know, all that intangible stuff that we don't really take too much stock into because we're trying to watch what's happening with statistics and rotations, and all of that sort of stuff. When we are really micro-analyzing the team, there are guys out there who believe, and I think we don't necessarily believe it as fans because we can't see it on the court, but when he says don't test the heart of a champion, of course they can win another championship with that core, with Steph, Dre, and Clay. But after seeing what happened last night, they do need the pieces around them in order to win that championship. And when you know Damian Lee is committing the fouls that he's committing, Kent Bazemore is not going to be on the team uh, for the future going forward. He was committing dumb fouls last night. But two guys in Jordan Poole and Kavon Looney, who knows what's going to be happening uh, with them, but Jordan Poole did not have a good game yesterday. Jordan Poole only put up Six points in this game. He was 0 for 5 from 3 and 3 of 10 shooting. And a couple of those threes were missed open looks, while some of those shots that he was making missed a wide open layup. He just didn't seem to have it last night, all while committing uh, three fouls of his own. So going forward, you never test the heart of a champion, as Tony Allen says, and I do believe that with Steph, Dre, and Clay but they are going to have to fix something in order to get back into championship contention. From the 510, are the dubs really a Clay Thompson away from being a contender? It doesn't seem like it. That's Doobie in Chicago. They're a Clay Thompson away to me from being maybe a fourth seed at best. Maybe a fourth seed at best because all these teams, I mean, who knows what's going to be happening with the Clippers in the future. Kawhi Leonard has his own player option. There's a chance that he might not be back with the Clippers next season. The Suns are only going to get better from here. The Suns are starting to starting to find their footing and, you know, they're well coached and they got their stars and Devin Booker. They got uh, Mikhail Bridges, who's a great defender. DeAndre Ayton, who knows his role. And Chris Paul, leading at point. They're a very good team, and they're going to be good in the future. The Nuggets. The Nuggets are that starting five that they have. With that addition of Aaron Gordon, they have been incredibly good as of late. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. In their last few games, um, they've won five straight. In the last few that they've had, 
with Aaron Gordon on the floor. They look like a great team. The Trailblazers, you can never count the Blazers out of it. You can never count them out of it. The Mavs, they got Luka Doncic. They got some nice pieces. You never know with the Mavs. The Grizzlies, if they add a couple of players, maybe they could be a little bit better. I'm not looking so much as the Grizzlies here. And then you could also look at the Pelicans. Hell, and even the Kings. Even the Kings. A lot of these teams in the Western Conference next season are going to be contending, maybe not for a top three spot, but they'll be right there within the four to seven seed, possibly for that playing tournament. I'm just saying that, look, the way the Warriors looked last night, not only that, but the way that they looked on Friday, even without Steph and Dre, it was just a very, very discouraging uh, type of game. Moving on, as we have a couple of minutes left heading into the morning roast, um, but I'm just glad that baseball's back. And this weekend, it feel like it felt like it had it all. You had an umpire taking a baseball to the throat, and then the trainer collapsing on the field at the same time. That was an incredibly scary moment. You had some walk-offs. Last night, you had the Angels versus White Sox game, which Shohei Otani was pitching and hitting at the same time while hitting a 460-foot bomb. And, and, and a lot of that game was close because of the errors. You had Nick Castellanos on the Reds try and show up. The pitcher on the Cardinals, whose name is escaping me, and said after the game that he would be honored to be punched in the face by Yadier Molina. We had it all. But locally, it wasn't great. You had the Giants dropping two of three to the Mariners while you had the A's dropping their first four against the Astros. And look, I didn't realize that the Astros would be, uh, you know, I didn't realize that they'd still be that solid of a lineup. But man, they have got some hitters. And look, the A's, they get off to these slow starts all the time. It's a little different because there's not much promise in what they've done. And quite frankly, they look terrible over the weekend. But, you know, you got you got 158 more of these things to go. I think you'll be okay. But tonight, the Giants are back against the Padres in San Diego. First pitch at 7-10 while the A's got the Dodgers. So not going to get much easier we're not going to get much easier for Bay Area baseball when you're going on to face two of not only the best teams in the West, but two of the best teams in baseball, in the Dodgers, in the Padres. So we'll look forward to that. Coming up, the morning roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Dave Fleming joins us for his weekly interview coming up at 8 o'clock. Then they're going to speak with Tony Gwynn Jr. at 920. And don't forget, they will have the Wiseman watch at 8 o'clock. But thanks so much for joining me, everyone, on this Monday. I'll be back tomorrow at 5 a.m. on 95.7 The Game. Tune into the roast now.